0: This is the Bob Olin Show on KDAL. All right, 918 at KDAL. You heard the man. Bob Olin is here. Bob, good morning.
1: Well, good morning, Bruce. It's a pleasure on this gorgeous morning. Oh, is uh, it nice? Uh, Spend a little time with you. Great yeah. day, isn't
0: it? Beautiful day.
1: Yeah, you know, I think uh, <laughs> I think after our winter, we we all deserve a little bit of this. And uh, well, I want to encourage everyone to get out there if you possibly can, even if it's on a break afternoon hour uh just absorb a little bit of this absolutely gorgeous sunshine and beautiful day
0: we got them for sure. so quick story for you um uh, this goes back to may we had that uh nice stretch of weather for a little bit and my wife and i yeah, decided yeah. you know what let's get our we'll get our flowers went up to the greenhouse on normanna we always go up there they have my gazanias and they're beautiful and i love to have them so went up there spent a bunch of money brought them back home and we had a nice weekend. so we planted everything and then came that one bad storm we With the wind and the cold, and I thought I killed my gazanias, Bob. I they did not they did not bloom for at least two weeks. I thought they were gone, and sure enough, I didn't kill them.
1: Great, that's a good start. Are they coming (laughs) back? Are they beginning to bloom for you?
0: Oh my goodness, are they ever? They're
1: gorgeous. Oh, that's great. That's that is beautiful, beautiful flower for sure. And, you know, I appreciate this. Bruce, you're a big sports guy. You're a large man yourself. But to really appreciate that's your sensitive side, you appreciate the beauty of the natural
0: landscape. Every (laughs) night, because it it refuses to rain, right? So every night I am religiously outside with the hose and making sure that they all get their water every night.
1: (laughs) And they appreciate it. I'm sure they do. (laughs) You know it's kind of funny uh i am a big believer that uh as a country and as a people everyone's attitude mental health would be better if they did that very thing got outside a little bit and uh just uh stopped smelled the roses planted the roses had a little bit of enjoyment with this uh, with this wonderful hobby you know you take me back to him as i had a friend who was an iron worker foreman on a big job every night he'd come home from work and uh First time I saw him about dinner time, he was sitting on a little stool in his garden picking weeds. Here's this huge man, you know, you know the type of iron worker that's got uh, arms bigger than my legs. Here's yeah. this huge man, <laughs> huge man is picking his little weeds, and he says, I come home after a long day, and this is a, just a tranquil setting for me. I get my head adjusted for dinner, and I, I will never forget the image of him there and his very thoughts, which are so true. Uh, just enjoying a little bit of that natural environment, even if it means pl- plucking a few of the weeds along the way.
0: Yeah, some deadhead. Got to do some deadheading too, because you don't want the uh, you don't want all that water to go to waste. And yeah, um, I get home. I get home every day, and I just I'll look around the driveway. We've got planters on each side of the driveway and at the front of the driveway, and uh, we got this wagon, and in, I've got my gazanias in that, and then I've got them surrounded by marigolds because I read somewhere that marigolds will help keep the the uh, the critters away from the gazanias because they like to eat my gazanias um, yes so and they have so far the, the marigolds have worked but everything has come in so nicely this year I, you know because yes. we, we get all, the, the stuff we get it's all the full sun right well yes. I mean since the start of June basically that's all we've got around here is full sun
1: <laughs> that's right and if you had enough rain and some people I know. We have a, a very large geographic area that listens. This from Michigan all the way up onto the range and far down to Forest Lake. We've had callers from so uh, everyone's spring was a little bit different. Uh, some people a little envious. If we had rain, we had rain in the Duluth area not long ago. A little farther south, they didn't quite what they get what they wanted. But if you had rain with all the sunshine. We really have had a very, very nice growing season, Bruce.
0: Yeah, you've got to make sure you water your stuff because uh, nature's not doing enough of that, at least not for us. We have not gotten hardly any rain.
1: Oh, you're one of those folks. Yeah, I've got uh, plots different locations, and I have uh, some that are, are just like that, nearly dry, and others that got 5 and 6 inches. Yeah. So it's, it's very variable this year for sure. But if you are dry, get the water to it. Remember, just uh, water in the morning if you can. Water deeply. Uh, Rather than just a little spritz on the the top, make sure you drive the roots down. We really want that water to work its way in, so we want an inch, inch and a half of of moisture that gets in there so that those roots get down and seek the water. We really don't want them coming up. People who just stand there with the hose with a little sprinkler head on there, and they get the upper half inch of uh, soil moist. Those roots want to seek the water. They come up, and, and they're very vulnerable there where you want to drive them down, so Maybe uh, rotate within your garden or your area if you don't have a lot of time in the morning, but spend one area and get that watered in very thoroughly, an inch and a half, drive the roots down, next day move to the next area. That's uh, kind of a rotational uh, watering pattern that uh, works for me. Everyone's got uh, water limitations. Water and sunlight are what really drive this whole growth process, and water is a valuable commodity. We're very fortunate. We've got a beautiful reservoir of water in Lake Superior, but uh, water rates are high. And they're great water it's going to be expensive you get out the rural areas. you always have to be a little concerned about how much water you're pulling out of that well, and there's always that risk of that drying during dry periods. So we want to water thoroughly carefully uh, we want to make as good use of that uh, that water that is available for certain
0: uh, Bob, by the way, if you've got questions for Bob, 218-722-0839. You don't want to talk on the radio, that is perfectly fine. You can always text us, use the uh, code word GREEN, and then text your question to eight four four five four. Again, eight four four five four. But uh, Bob will be here till roughly 945 or so. If you got questions for Bob, you can certainly uh, fire some off because uh, it is uh, absolutely Bob growing season. It is
1: in the month of July, if you want to just really appreciate the beauty of this area. You know, we are north, and we have a shorter growing season and points a little bit farther south, but we're not going to take second place to anybody. We've got more sunlight, and that's what brings the colors out in uh, uh, so many of your annuals and perennial flowers. I mean, they're just magnificent right now, and it's the month of July when you really have to step back and appreciate so many of these things. We've got this beautiful uh, panorama of color, and it comes... Throughout the entire season, we have early bloomers, mid-season bloomers, late bloomers, and just an appreciation for the for the real bee. Uh, we got cooler temperatures. You know, we, everyone's well aware of what's happening in the southwest, 110 degrees and so forth day after day. Pretty tough to grow much under those conditions. We've got just about ideal temperatures where we've got these nice temperatures during the day. And full sun today would be a great example. I heard your weather forecast were looking probably mid-70s, something like that. That warmth generates a lot of growth. That full sun generates a lot of growth. we got the moisture. The nice thing is we're dropping those evening temperatures down into the 50s. So we don't – in the evening, there's no photosynthesis occurring, so we start burning out sugars, start wasting out colors. We're not losing those this far north because our evening temperatures are nice and cool. So we'll have a couple of things. We'll have these real vibrant colors in a lot of our our flowering material – And then we get this wonderful sugar accumulation ultimately, a little early, but ultimately in our tomatoes and our sweet corn because we don't burn those sugars out in the evening as you will a little bit farther south. So uh, we don't have to apologize for anything being this far north. As a matter of fact, in many ways, this is a much better growing area than it is where it's intensely warm, Bruce.
0: Uh, yeah, certainly is the case, and you know, so if you're perhaps you see it's July, it's that season where we we tend to not get a ton of rain, we get a lot of sunshine. You, you, you mentioned we're getting to that time of year now where you know, the, the evening temperatures are going to drop a little bit. You're going to feel more and more like late summer. What should be going in the ground right now if anybody's looking to plant?
1: I hey, get those questions from people. Can I still plant anything in the vegetable garden? You certainly can. I mean, uh we got lots of sunlight. I would focus a little bit on those crops that are going to uh, uh give you some maturity in a short period of time. So we look at maybe the salad greens of the lettuce and the the uh spinach, those can all be planted. Radishes come very quickly. Now you have to be a little careful. You gotta these harvested fast because there's warm temperatures so they'll mature and they'll get over mature a little hot on you when we're talking about radishes in a short period of time. Uh, don't hesitate to plant snap beans. Now, uh, one of the difficulties that we had this last year, and we had questions uh, previous week about, uh, what was taking my, my snap beans off my green beans off. And, uh, We've got some soil insects that have caused a lot of difficulty this year. They had a very good winter where the rest of us human beings had kind of a tough winter. But that early snow that came very early where there wasn't any frost in the ground, any insect that overwinters part of their life cycle down in the soil uh, had a very, very easy winter. So we are seeing right away we saw uh, people thought it was bad seed, but it was actually seed corn maggot, which does attack corn. But we see this more prevalently on our legumes, our bean crops, Just zip them off at the top. And don't hesitate to replant. Uh, There's really no soil-borne insecticide that the uh, homeowner can purchase for control of that. And by the time you see the damage, it's too late anyway. But in the case of beans and peas, if you had this problem, uh, you've still got enough season that we certainly can plant. I would say you want to get it done within the next, you know, about mid-July, if you possibly can, within the next week or so. But I can almost guarantee you'll have enough season so you get a real nice fall crop. Also, a lot of interest in cauliflower, broccoli, cabbage. Uh, That whole uh, cabbage family is getting an awful lot of interest. A lot of interest in cauliflower with the, um, there's no um, association with any kind of a grain product at all. So we're seeing cauliflower crusts and and other things that people are are featuring. these crops really do very well in the fall. Now, you're not going to be able to start those from seed right now, but you can still get transplants various places and put the transplants in the ground. And uh, this is a very good time to do that, actually. That will give you a real nice fall crop. Uh, the cabbage family actually is a little easier to raise as a fall crop rather than a summer crop. And I personally do both, but coming into the summer, if you've got the broccoli and cauliflower right now, you're going to have to be careful of the... Uh, Cabbage worms, and you're going to have to fight those a little bit. You got to fight the intense heat. The crop comes very fast, and you got to get it mature before it it breaks into its floral stage. So you want the high quality. You don't have real long windows of opportunity for harvest. But if, with your fall crop, most of the insect problems are gone. You don't have to worry about uh, any types of controls. And then uh, you've got uh, a real high quality crop coming into that cool season. So, is there a time to plant? Absolutely. In the landscape, if we want to take a little look at that, that anything that's potted or can, what we call container-grown can certainly be put in the ground. You mentioned the fact that July July is typically our driest month. Now, this year it was June until we got the rains in some areas, It was our driest month. May and June were the driest on record, as a matter of fact. And then uh, last year we had a very dry June, and July was very moist. So variability, uh, who knows what's coming uh, with these weather patterns, but if you are going to be transplanting into your landscape, you've got a good container-grown, you name it, apple, lilac, uh, any one of the uh, shrubs, as long as they're a quality container-grown plant, they can certainly be put in the ground. We have to be conscious of water, of course, in the month of July if we don't get the rain. If you are planting, remember You've got to have a hose handy. If you're putting, say, an apple in the ground, you're going to dig yourself a nice shallow hole. You're not going to go too deep, and you're going to have that hose ready so that you're going to be filling the bottom of the hose, bottom of the hole with water as you backfill that soil. A lot of people plant the plant and then try to water it down from the top. That's too difficult. Let's get get the hose out there. Let's get some water in the bottom of the hole. Let's soak that entire what we call a soil horizon from bottom to top. Then that plant gets off to... Uh, you really a very very good start so can you do these things absolutely great and actually the these temperatures are very nice and very conducive to transplanting it's when we get those 90 95 degrees days during day and then 75 at night that's when it gets really tough for putting uh transplants in the ground but this is this is one of the many things uh, and one of the advantages that we have it's rather remarkable we're hearing so much about the intense heat and yet we've had Extremely uh, comfortable temperatures, so we really have to. This is, I think, is the benefit we get from enduring that
0: rather uh, yeah.
1: difficult, challenging winter. We got some payback, and it's coming right now. So don't miss this period of time. Uh, so we got,
0: we got uh, Ron on the phone wants to ask you a question. Then we got one coming in on the text line as well. Go ahead, Ron. Good morning, Ron. Hey, this is Don. Oh, Don, sorry. so <laughs> <laughs> I've got a new to protect the garden,
1: put bars of soap in nylon stockings and hang them from trees. And I did that, and I walked out the other day, and that darn deer was eating a bar of soap. <laughs> <laughs> How
2: about that you know, I've, never,
1: I've never heard that one before. Uh, I will go back to... All of these repellents hung in uh, nylon stockings, old stockings. I got to take it back to Dr. Alex Kellum, who was a dentist in town, a great gardener as well. And uh, he was an advocate for uh, soap and bags. He was an advocate for human hair, but he said it had to be fresh. So on the way home from work, he would sweep up the barber shops. The barbers loved him. And uh, he was so convinced that this was a nice deer repellent. He invited any number of us out for a nice little barbecue. He wanted to show us how effective it was the night before the deer came through and took everything out of his garden, didn't have anything fenced. So uh, I've never heard of him eating the bars of salt, but uh, quite frankly, uh, we're going to put that uh, technique to rest. I think there certainly are better ways to control deer, but uh, I've not heard that one before. (laughs) Well, I don't have to worry about the deer deer getting my uh, potato plants this year, because the Colorado potato beetles got them all. Oh. Oh, uh, Colorado potato beetles have been really a challenge this year. And again, that's one of those insects I talked about that that's at the bottom. Don't give up. Uh, Did they uh, take them right down to the ground on you? Well, there's no leaves left, but somebody told me if I don't plant potatoes three years in a row because the beetles will get them. Yeah, that is a problem. Uh, and, uh, you know, we like to rotate uh, completely, but, boy, they have a habit of really moving with the crop as well. So they are a a real difficult challenge for us, for sure. And picking the beetles is an option, but, but not a very good one. Uh, we do have some biologicals for control. A lot of the pesticides people used to use, the the beetle is adapted to. So uh, uh, some of the harsher pesticides really are not at all effective. Rotation, I think is a good idea. We do have some of the newer products, one called Spinosad, which is a uh, it's a biological, and it's quite effective. The only downside, it's not readily available. we got to order it mail order, and then it's quite expensive as well. So uh, I wish I had really good options for that. The thing is, they will move through their life cycle if you can get past a certain period. And then, um, you know, there's still a tuber down there that's kicking up some Some more plant material in many cases they will come back if we've had rain and you can get a fall crop uh the potatoes and the yield of course get impacted quite dramatically when you take off a lot of the green material but uh don't give up on them try to bring them back but you've got a lot of company this year this is one of those soil insects uh, that i talked about that uh, have been very damaging this this season
2: yeah do
1: carry over to any other plants uh, they, they, Colorado potato beetle loves, uh, it's very interesting, they love eggplant, which is, you know, potato is in the uh, nightshade family, Solanaceae, as is tomato, as is eggplant. I don't have a good explanation for this one because uh, they don't like tomatoes particularly, but they love eggplant as well as potatoes. Those are probably two of the b- biggest problems we have. They also will take on... Uh, Oh, I've seen them on pigweed. Some of the weeds, they could chomp those down. That would be very helpful for us, but uh, uh, they will take a few of those. But, uh, they leave the tomatoes alone, uh, which is rather remarkable because they're very close related to potatoes. But uh, nonetheless, uh, those would be the two big ones, I think, potatoes as well as um, eggplant if you're an eggplant grower.
0: Bob, uh, Don, thank you. Bob, we've got to run a time out here. We'll come back. we got a text question as well. You can also text in use the keyword green at eight four four five four and bob we got uh somebody on the text line would like to know please ask bob what is the optimal height to cut the grass dry early but duluth seems to have leveled off with rain lawn is growing like crazy
1: ah someone got the rain that you really need which is great yeah, you should could have brought
0: that to my house that'd be great
1: <coughs> you know i listened to your podcast, there and the- Spotting showers, and uh, hopefully, you get one of those spots as your spot next time, Bruce, okay? Yeah,
0: I, uh, I had to buy a new sprinkler because I've been watering my lawn for the first time, and I don't even know how long, and I don't like doing True.
1: that. No, uh, you, if it gets really bitter dry, you don't like replacing a lawn either. Now, no. a lot of our bluegrass, they will come back, but I've got some spots as well that are got so dry, so a little bit of water, so let's help. Let's talk about the optimum height. Uh, you know, we don't want to cut too short, I think, uh, or too long. We look at maybe about two and a half inches, two and a half. When we get up to three, three and a half, then we bring it back down. The nice thing about not clipping too short is that we get, first, we've got more green tissue. If we come down there and scalp, remember, this is a green plant that really uh, needs that chlorophyll in those leaves. So we don't want to take it off. What we want to do is we want to go uh, between two and three inches and we want to Cut relatively frequently, about an inch at a time, let all those clippings lie. Now, there was a time when people would sweep all the clippings up. Sadly, at one time, they all went in the landfill. They can't go there any longer What a terrible use of landfill space. Uh, If you let these go too long and you have to cut them back, then, of course, all those clippings will actually mat the grass down, and that's very detrimental. So there, in that case, you want to sweep them off, get that compost pile going. And uh, they will compost, break down, give you compost you can use on your garden, your lawns, or you can actually take it back and incorporate it into uh, the lawn itself if if you want to. That's the completed compost, but only if, in fact, you've got a real heavy mat. So we're going to look at about uh, 2 to 3 inches, and then we're going to cut it back not any lower than about uh, 2 inches or so. So we have uh, plenty of cover there that's easier on the grass. And uh, it partially shades itself during these hot, uh, dry periods. So I hope that helps. It's a very good question. Uh, The exercise is good. You know, everything about life, I think, is a little bit of perception. And some people are a little better at this than others. That They always see the, the lining, the silver lining in the cloud, I guess. Uh, But the nice thing about mowing a little more, uh, if you get behind that mower, we need that activity out in the full sun. I'm a big believer that one of the difficulties we have in modern society is so many people clustered in front of a screen and not getting uh, exposure to that nice sunlight. Vitamin D, big issue for us in the North land, and that's come to everybody's attention. If we can't get enough of it, supplementing it, that's uh, quite prevalent right now. Uh, But just getting it naturally out in the sunlight, being a little careful about exposure and sunburn and overexposure. So got to be cautious there, certainly. But uh, getting some sunlight, getting some exercise, mowing that lawn maybe maybe a little bit more frequently and letting those clippings lie so that they can naturally deteriorate. And then they become part. They don't build a thatch layer. We see a lot of advertising about de-thatchers. We really don't have a problem with thatch in our lawns in this area. Uh, thatch comes from heavy fertilization, it comes from lots of irrigated water, lots of sunshine, then you can develop a thatch. The thatch does not come from these clippings, it comes from partially decaying underground plant material due to really intense uh, production of a lawn. So a, a landscape, but maybe fairways on a, on, a, um, on a golf course where they're really applying a lot of water, a lot of nitrogen. Uh, we get a lot of real intense growth. Homeowners, matter of fact, I looked for thatch at one time and I couldn't find a home lawn that had any. So we're all, they were selling a lot of dethatching services and I'm not a big advocate unless you can actually determine that you've got that thick matted layer of, uh, of uh, thatch, but it does not come from the clippings. If the clippings are too long, they'll be on the upper surface, they'll be matted and you'll have to sweep those off or rake them up or sweep them up one way or another, but uh, just letting them fall naturally uh, about one inch at a time, uh, that's really the best way to manage a bluegrass lawn.
0: Uh, Bob, we got one call. I know you got a couple of minutes here All left, right. and let's try to get this call in before you have to go. Go ahead. Uh, uh, you're on the air with Bob.
2: Oh, hi. It's Don up in Thunder Bay. I enjoy listening to the KDAL show in the mornings. Thank hi, you,
1: Don. Hi. Oh, nice. Thunder Bay, one of my favorite towns. That's great.
2: Yeah. Well, we do more than just play hockey up here. We uh... <laughs> I know you
1: guys do a lot up there.
2: <laughs> and I have a question about my garden. Is, I want to know is what the effect of chlorinated water has on vegetables compared to, say, well water.
1: Okay. I, I don't think that on your vegetables you have an issue. Uh, the chlorine can be really quite volatile. In other words, it wants to evaporate away. Uh, I don't really have a concern using a, a municipal water supply on your vegetable gardens. Where we do see it. Uh, we see it sometimes in house plants where you're continually watering with a chlorinated water. You'll get that chlorine that will accumulate sometimes out at the tips. I think of the spider plant chlorophytum where it wants to get out on the tip and we get a little tip burn. But we really don't see that uh, out in the vegetable garden. You're applying to a mineral soil. You're out in the sun where this uh, chlorine evaporates quite readily. And I, I don't think really it's going to be an issue. The well water is always... Uh, Preferable because hopefully that's a little expensive than a municipal water source, but I would not be concerned about uh, about the chlorine on vegetables. It's not going to cause a problem.
2: Okay, and the other question I had was, uh, can you overwater a garden? Uh, how much water should I be buying in the evenings?
1: Well, you're you're uh, asking really good questions. Yes, you can overwater, and the heavier soil, the more clay, the more loam, uh, the greater the likelihood. We don't want to supersaturate. I'll tell people. The simplest thing to do is just to use a finger test. And when you're dry down to about your middle index finger, inch and a half or so, then it's time to water. Water very thoroughly. If you're using a sprinkler, put an open tin can out there. When you have an inch, inch and a half of water that's fallen in the can, you put enough in, so you dry that down. And about once a week, something like that's certainly going to be sufficient. Once again, we don't want shallow watering. We don't want to water in the evening if we can avoid it. We want to water in the early morning. Just to minimize the disease pressure, the plant foliage dries down. We don't have the disease issue. Early morning, we have less evaporative loss of the water. But if you have to uh, water during the day when the plants dry, we just uh, can run into some fungal problems when we water in the evening.
2: I hope that helps
1: a bit. Really great questions, though.
2: Okay, I'll change and I'll start watering in the mornings. Uh, Thank you very much, Bruce.
1: I would definitely do do that unless it's absolutely necessary uh, coming in the evening, but morning is going to be a much better time for you. Okay?
2: Yeah, we have temperatures right now around 10 or 9 Celsius in the evening, so it's a little bit cooler, and we're up to, say, 18 and 22 Celsius in the afternoons.
1: Yes, you're better off. The problem with that cool is conducive to fungal disease, particularly on a plant like tomatoes, where we're very conscious of that. So we want to make sure we keep, either keep the foliage dry by watering down at the base of the plant or watering in the early morning when that uh, plant has the opportunity to dry off before we hit those cooler temperatures in the evening.
2: Very good. Great Thank questions.
1: You. Thank you for listening. I love your, love your city there. You've got a beautiful spot along the lake and uh, lots of good gardeners in that area as well.
0: Thank you, Don. Appreciate it uh, very much. Uh, Bob, I know you got to run. Appreciate you as always, and we'll talk yes. to you again next week.
1: Bruce, could I just mention real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Got,
0: don't, don't forget the farmer's markets out there, and we've
1: got one advertiser Thursday the downtown market, the Duluth farmer's market. The products are beginning to come in. There's lettuce. There's edible potted peas. There's zucchini. There's broccoli. I've seen a lot of things. The radishes uh, are coming in. It's a lot of the salad crops. Many of our growers have had a very good early spring season. Duluth Farmer's Market, 14th Avenue East and 3rd Street, 2 to 5 tomorrow, Wednesday, and then Saturdays is 8 to noon. The season is just beginning, and it's going to be really a, a very, very good one for local, high-quality produce. Duluth Farmer's Market.
0: Bob, you are one of a kind, man. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Bruce. It's always fun. All right, take care. Bob Olin, the Bob Olin Show, every Tuesday from 9 to 10.